This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor BJ Colangelo. Hi, 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 yeah. All right, BJ, let's dive right into the news today. Uh, First up, did Sony just promise a live action Miles Morales movie is on the way? Uh, That's the question. I am not 100% sure of the answer because Variety is a weird outlet. So uh, (laughs) uh, an article basically saying that uh, Amy Pascal, the producer of several of the most recent Spider-Man movies and the the Venom films and the two Spider-Verse films was at the red carpet premiere in LA of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse last night. And uh, evidently the Variety interviewer asked her if a live action Miles Morales movie was in the works. And she said, the quote from her is, you'll see all of it. It's all happening. Um, it's unclear exactly what the question was that that's the answer to. So it's hard to say with like 100% certainty that that's what she was talking about. Variety seemed to think that that's what she meant, that yes, there is a, a live action Miles movie you know, coming. It would certainly make financial sense for Sony to double down because of the popularity of the Spider-Verse movies and because... Sony wants to just make as much money as possible naturally, but also like, you know, they have a ton of access to these spider characters and, you know, this would make a lot of sense. I'm just not like fully sold yet. I'm I'm kind of in like TBD wait and see mode. Um, But given, you know, the history of of Sony and Spider-Man, BJ, what do you think about a live action Miles Morales movie? Do you think the world is ready for such a thing? I don't know if the world is ready for it because after what we've seen with the little mermaid, I think people are going to get real weird and real racist real fast, which is a shame because I think if they did a Miles Morales movie, I would hope that they would just continue the casting of Shamik Moore who voices the character in the animated films because he is an incredibly talented uh, live action performer as well. If you haven't seen dope from 2015, what are you doing? That movie rules. Um, (laughs) I would love to see a Miles Morales live action movie. I think I'd be a little sad um, because I kind of like this animated world that he exists in because it is so much better than the live action movies. But mm-hmm. if we're going to do it, um, I'm I'm all for it. 
Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Um, there's more that Amy Pascal and, and some of the other spider producers were talking about on the red carpet, including uh, a Spider Woman movie that I think we've known since 2020 it was going to be directed by Olivia Wilde. And uh, Amy Pascal also mentioned that, like, of course, they're going to be working on more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. So that was, shouldn't really come as much of a surprise to anybody. Um, what did come as a surprise to me, BJ, moving on to our next story, is that the director of the live action Moana remake was announced and it is Hamilton director Thomas Kale who directed the I guess that was like a live action what would you call that the, the stage adaptation I guess the the movie version it's of the a stage, stage recording play. yeah okay yeah um that hit Disney Plus in 2020 um and uh he's he's a a Broadway director who directed Hamilton he directed um uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's previous play uh uh, in the Heights as well. And he's like sort of a, you know, a, a rising star in the world of Broadway, or maybe like an, a fully established star by this point. Um, but you're probably, I think you're more tapped into that scene than I am, BJ. Do you have any thoughts about Thomas Kale? Sure. So Thomas Kale, or as I like to call him, Mr. Michelle Williams at this point. Um, oh yeah. He, congrats to him. <laughs> congrats to him. Um, he is mostly known for theater, but he is also a pretty solid, uh, you know, screen director. He directed some of the episodes of Fosse Verdon, the, um, uh, Ryan Murphy produced series. I think that's where he met Michelle Williams, actually. Mm. Um, and it's very interesting. It's very stylistically cool to look at. Um, I am curious uh, how this will go for him because Moana is a really adventurous uh, sort of thing. I mean, even with Fosse Verdon, you're dealing with a choreographer and a Broadway superstar. There's a lot of stage work. Um, so that I think is in his wheelhouse. But Moana, you've got water, you've got beaches. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here. That's that's a that's a pretty big jump for him. Um, I think that musically it'll sound lovely. I think the choreography will look fantastic. Uh, it's just the other elements that I'm like, you know, uh, I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out, but I think I think it might be okay. Uh, I mean, Julie Taymor is one of my favorite directors. Uh, she's responsible for the Lion King Broadway show, and she also made Across the Universe, which is, one, I think, one of the most visually interesting films ever made. So I, I don't want to count them out yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I will say, BJ, that my heart sank a little bit as you were talking about this being an adventurous movie, because for some reason, I just pictured a live action Moana shot almost entirely on the volume, which um, just kind of, yeah, is, is kind of a depressing uh potential reality that we could be looking at here. Um, yeah. <laughs> especially because, like you said, there, there's, you know, th that might be a way to sort of ease Thomas Kale into the huge expanded scope of what this story requires. Um, I don't know. I guess if there are a bunch of sequences where, you know, the characters are like on the water, uh, on that, um, you know, floating, uh, it's not quite a ship. What would you call that? A raft, a, a, whatever the floating mm -hmm. vessel is. Um, I could see some of that being shot on the volume. I just hope that they don't use the whole, the whole thing and like turn it into, you know, the, the sort of ugliness that we've come to expect from these live action Disney yeah. movies. Um, because Moana <laughs> like, is like so visually stunning, you know, I, I just hope they're able to sort of um, transfer that over a little bit better than they have been able to recently. Yeah, I hope so too. The way that I'm looking at it is that this has the potential to be something really beautiful and fantastic, or it could be an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Insidious universe, which uh, is getting 
a sort of an interesting expansion in the form of a spinoff that is going to be called, what's the official title here? Thread, colon, an insidious tale, which is going to be written and directed by Jeremy Slater, who was behind uh, the Marvel show Moon Knight. And he also created the Exorcist TV show on Fox. Um, we know that Kumail Nanjiani and maybe more have been cast as the leads in this. And I think it's, it's you know, it's set in the same world as like the the Patrick Wilson starring horror movies. But it's a whole sort of side story, I guess. Um, it appears that like the lipstick faced demon is not going to appear here because whatever haunts these new characters is going to be an entirely new uh, menacing creature. But um, I'm, I have actually will admit, BJ, I've never seen any of the Insidious movies somehow. Oh, I think you're like missing the, out. Like the, the fifth one is coming out this year or something like that. They're, they're mm-hmm. up to a pretty high number already. Um, but yeah, just for some reason, they just like slipped through the cracks and never saw them. But uh, I know you're like a huge horror person. So what do you think about the Insidious films, the franchise as a whole, and then the idea of them doing this sort of side story like this? I love the world of Insidious. It is one of my favorite, uh, you know, more current horror franchises that have come out because I think that it's the entire series kind of deals with this idea of the further of like this kind of ghost dimension and that there are certain spirits or entities that will attach themselves to people, uh, which is why we see this lipstick face demon. That's the one that's attached to Patrick Wilson uh, and or his son, I should say it's attached to Dalton. Um, but either way, uh, we we have these very distinct creatures. So the opportunities are kind of endless in terms of spinoffs and continuing stories, because there's always going to be some different weird ghost, demon, whatever you want to call it, that will attach itself to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very smart that they're going to do these spinoffs because I think uh, Insidious 3 and 4 are prequel movies uh, to the Patrick Wilson like main storyline that we see in 1, 2, and then upcoming in 5. And I think people were not expecting them to be different stories. Um, so people were kind of thrown off because they wanted to know, where is the lipstick face demon? Where is the bride in black? Where are these characters? And they're not really all that present. Hmm. Um, so now that they're like, nope, this is a spinoff. This is, you know, it's set in the same universe, but it's something totally new. I think audiences are going to be more willing to buy into it. I'm also so excited to see Mandy Moore make a return to horror. Um, she hasn't really done much horror outside of 47 meters down, but she has been dealing with, you know, dramedy is on on tv so i fully believe she can do it and camille nanjiani uh hasn't i don't think ever been in like a true to form horror movie and he's such a big genre guy that it just this is a perfect fit for both of them it feels like yeah yeah i agree i i feel i I did not watch any of this is us it just was not really in my wheelhouse but i i feel like mandy moore is like an underappreciated screen presence i remember really liking her in a walk to remember which was what 20 something years ago at this point um i thought she was great in tangled she was really good in in saved that movie from 2004 and also um there's a movie called dedication that came out in 2007 that i feel like literally no one I've ever talked to has ever <laughs> has ever <laughs> seen this movie or heard of it even. But Justin Thoreau uh, directed it and it stars uh, Billy Crudup and Mandy Moore. And I thought that they were both really great in it. So um, I haven't seen it since then, but I remember thinking like being really blown away by by their performances in that, in that movie. So yeah, I'm excited for them to sort of take center stage in like a what sounds like a pretty cool expansion of uh, the Insidious universe. So yeah. Um, okay, let's take a quick break, actually, and then we'll be right back. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right, BJ, last couple stories. Um, Art the Clown is coming back. Terrifier 3. This movie is now officially moving forward. I guess the the Coven, the France-based uh, distributors of the Terrifier films have announced that the third movie, I believe, is going to be starting to, to shoot uh, at the end of this year, like this winter at some time. Um, it could come out as early as 2024 at some point. Um, we know that the budget has been increased significantly from the $250,000 that Terrifier 2 costs because that movie made I think something like $15 million on that budget, which is yeah. incredibly impressive. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, again, uh, you know, as the the non-horror fan here, I've not seen any of the Terrifier movies. I assume you have thoughts about uh, Terrifier 2 and what you think that this franchise could go, you know, what direction you think it could go uh, from there. What do you make of this? I have such a respect and affinity for the terrifier films even though they're not super my bread and butter the first one has like some moments in it that i was like oh that was really cool and the practical effects are pretty fantastic but the story itself is just eh, it's fine it's it is what it is um but i am so impressed by how these movies have developed such a rabid fan base so quickly and how they have cultivated like this very DIY or die grassroots almost campaign for their films that have obviously paid off handsomely. The second one made so much money and it's like a two and a half hour movie. It's insane how long the Terrifier 2 is, especially for a slasher <laughs> movie, which slasher movies are like you're eight, 90 minutes if you're lucky. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that this is so long is fantastic. Um, I am so interested to see what they're going to do with a bigger budget because Damien Leone, who writes and directs these movies, also does you know, a lot of the effects himself. Um, so I think with a bigger money, that means he could get a team. And I'm really fascinated to see what they're going to do with money. Um, I hope that it just makes things bigger and crazier. Um, I'm fearful that maybe it'll mean that they now have a money host to fix problems with rather than sort of this inventive nature that the the movies are known for. But I mean, the Terrifier movies did really well at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards uh, recently. 
and those are voted on by fans. People love mm-hmm. these movies and they're going to turn out to see more of them. Yeah, Priscilla Smith, who works for the Coven, uh, said in a, a statement, she said, uh, there will be a much bigger budget this time around, which is intended to give the filmmakers more creative freedom and let them be as wild as they can be. And all jokes aside, we are going for that Oscar this year, which it's um, so I, funny. You know, yeah, it really does sound like, you know, with the uh, the intense gore and the makeup and everything that they might actually have a chance to do it if the if the Academy um, you know, takes horror seriously, which, you know, that's a, that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, but it certainly happening. sounds like, you know, they, they're, they're like going all out for this. Um, and then uh, Leone, the, the director said, if you thought Art the Clown's reign of terror in part two was extreme, you haven't seen anything yet. So um, I love just that. not even fully knowing what happens in Terrifier 2 and just hearing the stories like second and third hand, uh, that has me terrified frankly about like the the uh level to which they're they're gonna go in order to sort of like try to freak audiences out like i I imagine people just like vomiting in the aisles like a south park episode or something but um, the way that i always pitch it to people is the way that we have sort of this language in general of like the saw movies were like these extreme measures of horror terrifier does something similar where the kills are really unique and really fascinating but there's also an underlying fun to all of it so it is wild and gruesome and graphic but it never really feels super mean-spirited like it feels like everybody's in on it so it's a little bit more enjoyable and less like oh well now i feel like i need to shower and i feel bad about myself for watching this yeah (laughs) okay awesome uh all right so our last story involves something that i i just can't even really begin to believe is real, but evidently it is. So uh, during a Q&A at last weekend's Texas Frightmare Weekend, uh, somebody asked John Carpenter, acclaimed beloved director John Carpenter, if Keith David's character Childs from The Thing, uh, who was last seen in that movie sharing a bottle of whiskey with Kurt Russell's character, was the creature, had been assimilated by the creature. And Carpenter dodged the answer a little bit, as he as he tends to do. But he also said something incredibly interesting, BJ. He teased the potential existence of The Thing 2. He said, I have been sworn to secrecy, okay, because there may be, I don't know if there will be, there may be a Thing 2. And that was all he said, because they didn't really have, it wasn't really the, the, um, the, uh, venue to like go into full follow-up mode it's sort of a Q&A like ask your question move on to somebody else's kind of thing but I'm fascinated about uh, fascinated about what this could mean for the, like the legacy of uh, maybe the most beloved uh, horror movie of all time well you're certainly one of them um, oof, wow uh, huge Pandora's box here BJ but like what do you think about the idea of a thing too I have a couple of thoughts. One, I encourage everyone to read Eric Vespi's investigation on the ending of the original thing that we published a few months ago. It is probably the most in-depth examination of that scene you're going to get. So John Carpenter might not have an answer, but I think Eric does. Uh, So highly recommend that. But in terms of the thing too, I am not surprised that they want to make a thing too specifically because of how the thing prequel series ended up where that's the one with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Everybody kind of forgot about it um, because it wasn't all that great. Like it lost a lot of the heart by having a lot of CGI effects instead of practical monsters. But then after the movie was released, it was revealed that they had done everything with practical monsters and it all got scrapped and everyone's like, what the hell? Why Why did you do that? We would have loved yeah. that. That would have mm-hmm. been made the movie. So I think since then, they've been trying to get a sequel or a prequel or another 
another addition to the thing universe they've been trying to get it made and it just hasn't happened yet and yes john carpenter is known to kind of dodge questions and tease and whatever but usually when he dodges questions it's very much like stop asking me this it's not happening i don't care so the fact that he was being a little coy and a little playful makes me fully believe that this is actually happening (laughs) and yeah if, oh, go ahead. I'm practic- sorry. Was, yeah, yeah, if it's if they're going to do it and if they're going to be practical and they're going to bring back practical monsters, I am 10 million percent for it. I'm also not against them bringing Kurt Russell back and being like old, rugged McCready. That would rule. Um, maybe we'll finally get the answer. Maybe they'll bring back Keith David as well. That would also rule. I'd be very stoked about all of that. Um, yeah. But I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much because horror as a genre also breaks my heart a lot with these sorts of things. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I'm, you know, the the legacy of of that movie is so it casts such a long shadow because it's so perfect. It holds up so wonderfully well, even today. Um, And uh, yeah, a lot of that has to do with the practical effects by Rob Bottin. And it's just like this incredible um, time capsule kind of movie. Um, But I do at the same time feel like there is uh, the potential to do something really, really cool here and something, you know, if they, if they've been spending a lot of time um, thinking about this and truly developing it in like a serious way and not just as a sort of a cash grab recognizable IP kind of thing, I really think there's something, um, you know, there's great potential with this. Um, It's interesting that Carpenter has not directed a feature film since 2010 uh, with the ward, but he evidently just directed a TV show called John Carpenter's Suburban Screams completely remotely that was shot in Prague and he just did it from home, uh, which sounds very much like the you know current era John Carpenter. Like that's right, right up his alley because he just loves like getting high and playing video games all day, which like yeah, let me him. let him watch basketball, play video games, get high and do some rock star stuff with his music. That's all he wants. Yeah. So I, I don't know if like John Carpenter would direct the thing to or if he would direct it remotely, which is kind of just I, I don't know if I could like fully wrap my head around that. Um, but maybe and and maybe this could be cool. I don't know. I want to be positive about this. I want to, you know, I don't want this to to um, I, I don't I don't want to be cynical about this one, BJ. I want to I want to love this. I want this to turn into a real thing. And I think you're right. I think because he is playing coy. There, there have been so many instances in the past where people have asked him questions about remakes of, of projects that he's made where he's just like, frankly, come out and said, like, I don't care unless they pay me. Like, right. that, that's the only thing that he cares about is just like getting a check. And and the fact that he didn't mention that at all and just said, I've been sworn to secrecy because maybe this is going to happen maybe means that he's been paid already or like, you know, they've at least talked to him about the possibility of paying him um, in some way. So yeah, maybe this is like closer than we think to actually happening. So that, that would be fantastic. But. And I think like genuinely, I think this is kind of the perfect time for it because a lot of the people who grew up loving the thing are, you know, there. this is like an IP that people w- would actually get excited about because it doesn't feel like it's been done to death. But it's also just still like the, the themes in it are still so relevant and how we don't trust each other and how things are so scary and we, we question everyone around us at all times. Like it just really feels like this might be the sweet spot. Like, and I'm, I really hope that it is. Yeah, especially like in the wake of, you know, the, 
the pandemic and every like I mean not the pandemic it's fully over but like the the idea of like how everybody was feeling mm-hmm. in 2020 that sort of like looking at your neighbors the scants kind of feeling that we all had um, anytime anyone coughed in public people like a million heads turned like snapped in that direction you know like it's very uh, very taps very much taps into those sort of ideas of the thing so the only downside I can see here is that the ending of Carpenter's the thing is so perfect that like mm-hmm. picking up and and actually answering the the question or whatever in in like a textual way um might do something to tarnish that legacy but maybe they don't bring uh Russell and and Keith David back maybe they have like new characters and it's a new um situation or something like that and and they're able to sort of continue the story in a way that doesn't necessarily undo any of the the brilliance that they achieved, you know, back in, in 82. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to, uh, to track it here at Slashville.com. So, um, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of the show, but you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at Slashville.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and read the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.